right, hello and welcome to another edition of WEX Grid Talk. I'm Travis English, here to discuss WEX's first uh, 2023 study program. Study, the first to be released, is the Grid Forming Inverter Study. I have Doug Tucker, Senior Engineer, Reliability Assessments here at WEX, as well as Kent Bolton, also a Senior Engineer in Reliability Assessments here at WEX. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, so let's dive in. Can you tell me a little bit about the study? Give me some background. Well, as uh, IBRs are advancing in the world um, today, we, there's a new technology coming out. It's called grid forming inverters. Um, it's a different technology than the grid following, which is seen in the past. Um, we did a study a couple years ago on the grid forming inverters. Um, and so we wanted to see what the difference was between the grid following and grid forming inverters, um, and that's kind of what this study is all about. Okay, and the study is looking at grid-forming inverters. Can you give me some background on the study itself? Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, two years ago we did, a, we did a study on grid-following. We kind of wanted to understand how grid-following was going to play in the Western Interconnection. And so with this new technology coming out, we we're saying, hey, you know, let's kind of do the same study. So we built off of the, the changes in system inertia study that was done in uh, 2020. Um, and we wanted to kind of see, okay, let's change the models out and let's put a grid forming model in and see what the system would do based on this new technology. All right, thanks for explaining that to us. Uh, Kent, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions now. Can you um, give me some observations from, from the study? In the report that we wrote, came up with three observations. The first one is um, based, on our, uh, based on the assumptions that we made for this study, uh, GFM IBR technology shows a few advantages over the grid following technology, um, and that would be in, in maintaining system frequency. Um, then our second observation is that uh, the simulations that we ran show that an additional 10% of the original amount of generation that was scheduled to be tripped actually wound up shedding. Uh, or it, it, it tripped due to protection settings or lost synchronization with the grid. Um, and then the original schedule was 20%, was a 20% imbalance. And then, like I mentioned, we shed an, an additional 10% of generation. Uh, the third observation was that the rate of change of frequency or ROCOF is one measure of the health of the power system and it's very sensitive to the amount of inertia and we notice that with the with the number with the increased number of inverter based resources this particular parameter was uh, um, decreasing faster than before meaning that with the increased number of, of inverters on the system um, we have just an increased frequency loss. So we did two different disturbance scenarios. We did a double, uh, a, a large generation disturbance, which was about 2,800 megawatts of loss of generation. And then the one that Kent was talking about was this 20% imbalance simulation, um, where we took 20% of generation off the system. And as a result of that, um, generators lost synchronization, relays tripped offline, and so an extra 10, it was almost 10% more generation was tripped offline. Because what we wanted to show was 
the system going into under-frequency load shedding um, in the western interconnection, that's when the frequency hits below 59.5 hertz, and then we have load uh, starts triggering offline because we want to protect the system. we got to keep the frequency as close to 60 as we can. And when it drops to 59.5 hertz, load shedding will start happening to bring the frequency back up. And so that's what we wanted to show this. And what was happening is, is we trip all that generation and more generation was tripping offline and just due to certain aspects of it, um, which is fine, but we just, the, the, the result of that is, is depending on the response of the inverters is how much more is going to get tripped offline. So if your generators are responding faster and trying to keep that frequency up, then you have less load, less load loss. Um, but in this, this simulation, we were definitely going to get into under-frequency load shedding. There was no, because we lost a third of the generation in the case. So um, we just kind of wanted to see, one, you know, how much generation is lost, and then two, you know, does our under-frequency load shedding plan handle these um, inverter-based resources to recover and get back to 60 hertz, which it ultimately did after it shed um, about 30,000 megawatts of load. What um, recommendations do you have that came out of out of this study? Um, so, going back to that, one of the recommendations is that we have an underfrequency load shedding work group that mm -hmm. kind of oversees the underfrequency load shedding um, plan. Um, so we kind of teed it up to them and said, you know, hey, we did this study, we we lost an additional ten percent. Is that really, you know, instead of doing a twenty percent imbalance study, now we're doing a, it's more of a thirty percent imbalance study. Is that reasonable? Um, because they they do have some standards that they have to do certain um, percentages of this to test your under-frequency load shedding plan. And so we kind of wanted to say, you know, if that's the case, do we need to back off and maybe do like 15% generation loss and then whatever, and then with what's tripped on the, the system based on, you know, loss of synchronization or uh, relay settings, you know, then it comes out to being more of like a 25% imbalance instead of 30. Because once you get to 30% loss of generation, you're like, the system is not very healthy at all. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a simulation type of thing. And so we wanted to kick it over to the underfrequency load shedding work group just to kind of look at it and say, you know, what's the appropriate value that we need to trip to, to do a good study for this? Um, so we're not going too extreme. Um, and we just want to make sure we're not going too light either. Um, so that's that one. The other one is um, based on the advantages over one or the other. And, you know, each technology brings different aspects to the to the system and we, you know from WEX point of view the main thing that we want to, to make sure happens is, is that the design should provide reliable and robust performance um, in a very high penetration of renewable energy and um, that's the main key we're, we're not really saying you know this this technology is better than this technology it's it's we just want a reliable system and whatever technology gives us that then then that's what we need to make sure we have and I mentioned this but uh, finally we would like the under-frequency load shedding work group to begin monitoring ROCOF within the Western Interconnection. Look at that to see if there are any trends and okay. conditions where there's different frequency. And you can kind of look at that as a safety net for the inter interconnection. Um, yes. It's there to protect us um, so we don't have cascading outages and it doesn't black out all of West, the Western Interconnection all at once. Um, it kind of tries to isolate it in pockets um, so we can recover the so if it does happen, then the system can recover faster. So what what does this mean? What are the big takeaways that I should be taking away from from the study itself? 
I think one of the main takeaways of this study is knowing that, you know, as, as the changes in resources change, we're, we're definitely heavily in the IBR realm of things. We're replacing old gas generators, um, coal generators, um, even some nuclear generators they, they want to retire. And what's happening is, is when you lose all those, those have a lot of inertia associated because of the rotating mass of the generator spinning in these units. And we're going to an inverter base, which is basically kind of like a computer, and there's no spinning reserve on that. So we're losing that inertia. And so what happens is when you have a frequency a generation loss, your frequency starts to decline, and we have to have something to replace that generation because all these other generators used to just spin up, add extra megawatts onto the system, bring the frequency back up. But now we're going to the inverter-based resources where they don't have that um, functionality. And so what... The main thing is, is, I mean, they're capable of doing it, but they're not really set up to do it. In this scenario, we have to have these inverter-based resources responding to a frequency event. So they ha there has to be something, you know, we're replacing all these generators that are able to respond up and down as the frequency goes up and down. But with these IBRs, which are variable, you know, you have the sun or the wind. Well, if it stops blowing, um, there's no more power. You can't get more power out of them. And so we have to have something there to be able to help keep this fr frequency up so that something has to respond. And so these grid forming inverters have the capability of doing it. You now we just need to get the industry and those things to set it up. So, you know, hey, there's a benefit for me to hold back some megawatts for the system so that if, it, if disturbance does happen, um, we can provide that extra megawatt to the system. To one, one of the, I guess, one of the big I overarching ideas is that we would like all of the generator owners to be aware of the changing technology and understand how changes that they will make to their to their generation could affect the interconnection we want them all to to operate their systems and their facilities um, with an eye to reliability. All right, Doug Tucker and, and Ken Bolton, thanks so much for joining us and, and sharing your over 39 years of uh, combined experience here at WEC. Thank you, now I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you taking the time with us. Thanks.